Welcome to Business Beyond Usual. My name is Landry Ndahayo, and we are recording live from our houses for the Ross School of Business because of the holidays. I'm here with Eugenia Collins and Cheryl Lee, and today we're going to chat about diversity while focusing on business leaders with diverse abilities, together with an amazing guest. Before we get started, we want to encourage you to get in touch. We always love engaging with our listeners, and we'd love to hear from you. Send us a message at bbupodcast at umich.edu. That is bbupodcast at umich.edu. Follow us on Instagram at Ross underscore BBU. That is at Ross underscore BBU. And feel free to DM us there as well. Ask us questions, suggest episode topics, or just say hello. We'll spend some time at the beginning of each show reading some of your messages and answering any questions you have. Today, we're joined by Chris Lopes. Chris is the president and founder of the Michigan Ross Club. Chris is a classmate of mine. We're both MBA twos. We'll be graduating in April. I am so excited to have her in this podcast just because I know who she is as a person. And I absolutely admire who she is and what she what impact she has had at the Ross School of Business so far. And just my own impact for myself, just knowing her. Chris, again, I can't welcome you enough to this podcast. We're so happy to have you join us. Thank you, Eugenia. Oh my gosh, such a kind, warm welcome. I really am excited for today's show. Yeah, Chris, our listeners want to know who you are, what you did prior to Ross, what you're recruiting for. So please go ahead and introduce yourself. Yes, all of the things. So um, my name is Chris Lopes. Um, as the lovely Eugenia shared, I am an MBA too here at Michigan Roth. Pre-MBA, I actually started my career uh, in the sciences. I was an analytical and neurochemist before making the switch over to HR. And so I think for me in undergrad, I really was interested in what was happening in our brains, the interactions happening in our brains. But really, I found myself more intrigued by the interactions that were happening between people. And so hence the the pivot to HR. So after undergrad, I spent close to 10 years in the HR space, really, you know, running the gamut from executive search to being an HR employee number two at a startup of what, like 90 people to being an HR business partner and later a DE&I manager, um, most recently at uh, Major League Baseball. So I've really continued my passion for the human capital space uh, here at Ross as the co-president for the Human Capital Club. And I am going to pivot into human capital consulting at PwC Strategy and post-graduation in New York City. Congrats. I mean, that's a really good gig after school. We see you. (laughs) We see you and we're proud of you. Um, I guess, Chris, we've told everyone about this new club, Business Leaders with Diverse Abilities, that you started. Could you tell our viewers why you started the club and um, what was the passion behind that? Yes. And I'm so excited to share. Um, I think I'll address this question in two parts because there is a lot to go over. First, who is BLDA? And second, really how this club came to be. So who are we? Business Leaders for Diverse Abilities at Ross, or BLDA for short, 
is a student-run club that builds disability community and pride and really strives to, I believe, drive disability fluency through education and advocacy at Ross. Um, Really, we are business leaders here at Ross, uh, business leaders that are in the classroom, business leaders that one day will be in the boardroom, who believe in uplifting those who either self-identify as or are allies of those with disabilities, uh, physical disabilities, those that uh, identify as being neurodivergent or, or having a chronic or a mental illness. And we're very intentional with this language. Uh, we, we say diverse civilities and not disabilities because disability often is framed as, you know, really thinking about the word being without ability. But really, we aim to see disability as just being differently able and very likely stronger in other areas. And so really how this club came to be, this, this club grew out of my own experiences as a graduate student with a relatively new diagnosed disability. You know, I'll I'll say likely the audience on this podcast are MBAs themselves or maybe somehow MBA adjacent. And so I'm sure y'all can relate to the amount of hard work you have to put it into getting into a prestigious MBA program. And, And I'm sure they can relate as well to the intensity of the MBA core in the first year of the MBA. So for me, once I was diagnosed, I really, you know, looked around for a support system entering my first year. And I I didn't find much outside of the required accommodations by law. In short, I think what I was finding was compliance, so disability compliance. And in retrospect, what I really needed in that time was community. And I think because of this, I felt... In order to survive that first year, I had to kind of silently carry my disability around with me. You know, whenever my body had a flare-up that I couldn't control or I needed to take time off for a procedure, I was very calculated in what I shared with my peers and my faculty. And I think, um, you know, in short, I realized at the end of my first year that there really had to be a better way to experience grad school while having a disability. And this problem was bigger than my, you know, my own experience. Um, I didn't want anyone who faced these battles to feel as I had. And so really, the idea for BLDA uh, was born. That's excellent, Chris. I actually can relate being an MBA one currently. um, I'm currently working through basically, it's similar to narcolepsy, but it's hypersomnia which is essentially excessive daytime sleepiness. And as all of you know, the intensity of an MBA program, especially your first year with the academic core, with the recruiting, um, and it's all coming at you early while you're also trying to uh, kind of find your way socially or what have you, it was really challenging. And to your point, I felt like for me that where the support was, was mainly the accommodations. And for those who don't know, I think it's called the student services for, and again, the keyword is disabilities, right? So a lot of people, if they do apply through that, will get accommodations, whether it's extended time, being able to take breaks during core, during exam, or being able to take classes during specific times of the day that help you manage your health and well-being. That's what I was able to do, but it was still extremely hard. And like to your point, I don't like to tell everyone 
And it's partially because I don't want people to necessarily feel this, I don't know what the right word is, but like bad or pity. But at the same time, you know, there is a, a you know, a kind of a different struggle that I'm going through during this intense core. So that's a really long, you know, kind of winded me of saying I can relate to some of those like struggles throughout the year and not finding anyone else. And the, I think this club is brilliant, honestly. Um, and really cool that you kind of founded that almost off of a need, it sounds mm. like. No, I, I really appreciate you sharing that story um, because I, I feel, again, that really as as I was walking through my own experiences, I knew that there were other people that probably experienced something similar. And, and not only just anecdotally, but statistically, we see that the numbers don't lie. Um, we see that about 15% of the world has some sort of condition related to a disability. Yet we see only 7% of business leaders identify or self-identify as having disability. So I definitely think that there's a stigma in the business community. And, and really, this is what our club sets out to do is to combat that stigma. Right. And just kind of talk more about your club and kind of your experiences going through this during your first year and on your second year. Um, do you have an idea of what an ally looks like um, when you're looking at, I'm going to use diverse ability inclusion, right, in this space? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I think, you know, in terms of what research our club has done and what we've heard from students, staff, and faculty at Ross that currently self-identify as having a disability, I think the first uh, most pressing ask is to as an ally to create an environment where it's just safe to talk about disabilities, whether a hidden disability or a visible disability. And I think I see well, how I see this manifesting is in any work group setting, whether you're in a grad school classroom or you're a full-time employee post-MBA, this ask can be as simple as asking your peers Hey, for this project, does anyone need extra time, flexibility to work remotely, or any other accommodation? Want to make sure we're making this project accessible for all. So see how it's really just like putting it out there that we're normalizing um, the need for different accommodations. It's really creating that environment to talk about disabilities. I think second, um, very important, and this this comes with practice, is avoiding any language that implies disability stereotypes, uh, both negative and positive. And so, you know, making sure that you're staying attuned to what words uh, may or may not trigger, you know, a, a disability stereotype. And I think third, but also importantly, is to use what position or privilege you do have to lift someone with disabilities up and focus on the need for accessibility, not the disability itself. That's a great point. Go ahead, Eugenia. Do you have a follow-up question? Oh, yeah. No, I was just in awe just listening to you and Chris talk. Um, I think, first of all, thank you for sharing. Chris, I was just going to ask you, like, what have you experienced where an ally has really been there for you. Could you tell us more about that? Tell us the story and how that really impacted you. I think that will even be more powerful to show people why this is very important. Yeah, absolutely. So um, to give you guys some color, I have, uh, within my disability, I actually have 
multiple conditions. And so one of the aspects of my disability is sensitivity to food. And so I have a very strict diet. I can't eat dairy, gluten, and other types of food. And so it it becomes very hard in a grad school setting, let's say, when we're going out, we're very social to kind of just spontaneously, you know, go to a restaurant and eat anything on the menu. And so I think in communicating like my needs, I actually had a classmate host kind of um, an after class kind of final group project like celebratory dinner. And she went out of her way to find a place that I knew was safe for me to eat so I wouldn't like experience a flare up. And I really just going that extra mile and thinking about, you know, what my needs were really made me feel like, yeah, it just made me feel good. It made me feel like it wasn't actually that big of a deal to ask, hey, can we make sure we find a place that like accommodates for people's food sensitivities? So it was as simple as choosing the right restaurant for me um, that really made that difference. Thank you so much for uh, Chris for sharing your story. And I loved Alejandro, uh, what you shared earlier. It sounds like at Ross, we do have some institutionalized support uh, for students. And now we have the new club, like BLDA, as a community support for people to get more aware of it. My next question is actually related to people's awareness and knowledge about disabilities. So I think, unfortunately, I think the conversation is not as open as we would like to. And especially, I think, at Ross, where people are coming from so many different backgrounds. For example, I'm from China, where I think that, unfortunately, the conversation about disability is even more taboo. And we are less aware about a lot of the different definitions or symptoms, etc., so I'm just wondering, Chris, can you give us an overview of different informal definition of disabilities and some of the different subcategory that you think it would be great to know about? Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, thinking about the more formal definition of disabilities first, the ADA or the American with Disabilities Act is really kind of the North Star for how we define disabilities under this act, a, a disability is really a physical or mental impairment that substantially limits one or more major life activities. So in essence, what this means is any difference of the brain or body which makes life more challenging in a significant way is a disability. For the purposes of BLDA, we've expanded beyond the more formal definition to include those subcategories, those that have uh, physical disabilities, those who are neurodivergent, um, or those that have chronic or mental illnesses. So within these four buckets is kind of where um, BLDA seeks to educate and empower. So diving into each of those four, the definition of a physical disability is uh, really any physical difference that affects someone's interaction with their environment, it's usually but not always visible to others. Examples include things like mobility or motor impairments, um, limb differences, blindness, epilepsy. Uh, neurodivergence is something different in that it's a neurological difference. Um, and it's usually invisible to others. And, you know, most often we see or hear things like ADHD, uh, autism, Tourette's, 
any kind of learning disability or intellectual disability. We also have things like chronic illness, uh, which is a physical health condition that really lasts more than a year, which requires ongoing medical support. In terms of visibility, it, it can often be invisible to others. So we think of things like arthritis, heart disease, even things like cancer, uh, diabetes, migraines, and, and many other types of illnesses. And last but not least, and I think that this subcategory has been more prevalent because of the recent pandemic, is mental illness. And so mental illness is part of the formal definition of disability. And it's a mental health condition which primarily alters thinking, behavior, and or mood. And of course, we think of things like anxiety disorders, um, PTSD, OCD, chronic depression, eating disorders. Um, so as you can see, it, these four subcategories, these four pillars cover a wide range of different disabilities and conditions. Thank you for that overview. I feel like I definitely learned a lot in the past three minutes. I actually do have a follow-up because um, you mentioned some of the conditions actually is invisible to others. And I feel like sometimes we probably don't feel it ourselves too. And sometimes we have that taboo in our own heads to just even to be open to it ourselves. So just based on your experience or what you have seen, uh, what do you think would be a good approach for like each and every one of us to be open-minded and even just towards ourselves? Yeah, absolutely. I I think um, that's a tough question. I think it's tough because there's no one right answer, but there's almost there almost is a one right answer in that I almost want to say it's as simple as really working on our own emotional intelligence and, and kind of exercising the muscle of empathy um, because we just don't know what other people are going through. And as it relates to disability, you know, as, as I just shared, it could be visible, it can be in invisible. Um, disability can be something you're born with or something that you acquire at a later point in your life. It's really multifaceted and Im impacts more people than you know. Uh, because people don't often discuss their disability uh, due to stigma and other, you know, societal pressure. So I think the first thing you can do is just to really think about the fact that you may not know what someone's going through and seek to understand and seek to be kind first and foremost. But of course, um, <laughs> it could, it could also be a bit more complex than that too. Yeah, I, I, I love hearing that. I think kindness and empathy are really big qualities that we should all have. And um, I'm happy to say I've met a lot of people at Ross who are kind and empathetic. And just you giving that example of your girlfriend, just making sure she was looking out for you and getting a restaurant that you were comfortable with. Uh, I think that's really good. Um, I guess since we're talking about business leaders for diverse abilities, are there any business leaders that come to mind who have had diverse abilities and um, that you really look to and who inspire you? Because I think making it real for our, for our listeners um, by them knowing who some of these business leaders are, we'll let them know like, yes, you're 7% and those numbers should grow because you did say uh, 7% of the 
of the business leaders do have diverse abilities. And we want this number to grow. So I think getting an example will really show people that, you know, you are here, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think, you know, when I when I think of my own mentors or or North Stars in this space of um, folks that have disabilities that are also leaders, I think of folks like Haven Gurma, who is a recently graduated Harvard uh, Law School graduate. She's a disability justice attorney. She's gone to the White House, spoken with and worked with President Obama. Phenomenal uh, person, but I believe she is low vision or blind. Um, and so did her entire um, graduate school degree uh, at Harvard with with a disability. Uh, I think of folks like Kathleen Buckley, who is a, uh, she has a low hearing disability. She's a comedian and she uses comedy as a way to inspire and uplift others with disabilities, but also while teaching them really powerful life lessons. Um, and I also think of, uh, you know, University of Michigan's own director of student accessibility and accommodation services, uh, Dr. Okunlami, who recently, you know, rose to the ranks as someone with a physical disability and I believe was uh, rewarded a, a grant of, I think, over a million dollars to increase disability uh, awareness. And so there's many leaders I, I could speak to that are starting to come out of the woodwork and feel comfortable and confident in their vulnerability uh, about their condition. But definitely we we have more work to do. And I think it's especially important here at, at Ross as we, you know, are in the business of producing future uh, leaders that are going to go out into the workforce and lead teams and lead companies to give these MBAs the fluency and the awareness of what it means to be a disability ally in the workplace. Um, so more work to do there. I love to hear that. Um, great examples, by the way. And I would just give you as an example because you're pretty dumb and impressive too. <laughs> oh, I try, I try. <laughs> so Chris, out of curiosity, are there any other clubs uh, that are focused on disability outside of Ross at University of Michigan? Yes, we do have uh, disability awareness adjacent clubs across the university system. And so I believe there is, um, in my research, we, we do have a club at the medical school. I believe that there is one as well within the School of Social Work, if I'm not mistaken, uh, as well as one within the law school. So that that's as of last year, but uh, definitely an opportunity for BLD to partner with them in the future. Yeah. Well, thanks all. We're going to take a brief pause to hear from our club sponsors for today. So the club sponsors for today are the Black Business Students Association Club. The tickets for the 47th Alfred L. Awards Conference hosted by the BBSA are now available on campus groups. The conference is the longest-running conference at the Michigan Ross School of Business. In its 47 years, the conference has engaged attendees around issues, challenges, and opportunities encountered by underrepresented minorities in the business world. The event will be hosted on February 3rd and 4th, 2023. Now more than ever, there's an acceleration of Black 
business professionals in positions of power, shaping their respective industries. By engaging and learning from these thought leaders, we are accelerating the breadth and depth of Black excellence in business. The keynote speaker will be Jackie Wright, and she's the first Chief Technology Platform Officer at Marchese & Co., and also the former Vice President and Chief Digital Officer of Microsoft US. Jackie Wright is well accustomed to leading the Sajra Head. Once named the most influential Black person in Britain, she's the embodiment of accelerating Black excellence in business. I'll be at the event and I'm so excited to be there, but I'm more excited to actually <laughs> get to meet Jackie Wright uh, in person. So I hope you all sign up for this conference and we want to thank the BBSA for sponsoring this episode today. And now we'll get back to our conversation with the amazing Chris. So Chris, uh, that was that was wonderful so far. I kind of want to go back to talking about the club you founded. So what is the general scope and what are your goals that you set for the club and the Ross community? Yes, absolutely. Uh, of course, being a business student, we <laughs> we went ahead and developed a strategic plan for this club. Um, I think the 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 two the two key areas um, that we think about in terms of scope are, you know, really around community and as well as awareness and advocacy. So the community piece, uh, we we first and foremost want to create a safe space where uh, disabled, neurodivergent, uh, chronically and mentally ill, conscious community can flourish here at Ross, as well as the wider, you know, U of M umbrella. And I think um, under this pillar, my sense is that this community already exists intrinsically, albeit silently. And really what good is a silent community to anyone? You know, I think that Michigan Ross is a special place in that. We are a relatively inclusive bunch, um, and we recruit that type of profile to the school. But really what our club aims to do is to provide the conditions for this disability-conscious community to flourish publicly. So community is number one. Two, awareness and advocacy. Uh, we think about this in terms of driving change. So driving change, how does that happen? That happens through awareness, through education, as well as advocating for certain changes to occur. Um, I think uh, at a high level, we we want to have disability be included in all DEI conversations at Ross. Really, we think of disability as a thread that's not often talked about within the fabric of the broader DEI efforts at the school. So, our club aims to provide both education to our students, staff, and faculty, as well as drive conversations with Ross school leadership on advocating on behalf of change for, uh, again, the disabled, neurodivergent, and chronically and mentally ill community at the school. Um. I'd, I wanted to follow up on that. I think that was a great answer. First, about the community portion. Um, you're right when there is sometimes a sense of intrinsic community, but it is silent. You know, for me personally, um, because I do have testing accommodations, I'm taking in a separate room. Mm. And for the most part, you see the same 20 people in every test you take, especially in the MBA1 core. But for the most part, we know that we're in the room for a reason, but we don't 
talk about it unless we are already, you know, generally good friends with that person because they're in our section or what have you. So I do feel like your your comment about it's sometimes silent. I can empathize with that at times. Um, And then to kind of piggyback on your point on educating the communities, you know, professors, um, and making that a threat of D and I at Ross, I think that's also important. And the example I always think about was I was in the Robertson Auditorium. And for those who don't know what it is, that is our big auditorium hall at Ross. Um, that if you see pictures online in an auditorium, that's most likely it, Michigan Ross. And we were doing a Q&A and someone rose a hand up and someone was going to walk the mic over and the person was going to ask the question said, no, I don't need a mic. I can speak loud. And then the host who was hosting the Q&A actually said, let me pause there. Even if you can speak loud, please use a microphone because there are people in here that don't want to interrupt the session, but can't hear because of either they have a hearing, I guess, disability or, or they're just hard of hearing in general, but they don't want to say anything. So he said, even if you don't need a mic, we are going to deliver it for you. So either A, it can be recorded and B, so people can hear. And ever since that moment, no matter what, because I can be a loud person, I'm going to take the mic. And in class, if someone says, am I loud enough? I ask, hey, can you take the mic if that's okay? Because some people might not be comfortable, you know, saying that. I think that's just something that that's now ingrained in kind of my mind, but it wasn't a uh, forethought in that DEI um, kind of mission, I guess, at Ross. And I think now it's starting to get a little bit, but that was just an example that I think about every time. And Cheryl, I think you were at there. Exactly. Yeah. I was nodding my head. You probably, you guys can probably not see it, but I remember the exact same moment and I did not ever heard about like this disability before. And it was a great lesson just for myself too, because I could be that person who think I'm loud enough and don't need a mic. And it was just great to hear about um, this experience that other people might have. And I also think just going back to what grade of a community that we have at Ross, I think people are really open-minded and really accommodating. And whenever things like this happen, I think we'll really take it to heart and to just remember to accommodate our peers in the future. Yeah. Thank you, Chris, for um, just sharing the goals and the mission and vision. And hearing all of that got me really curious about uh, your journey to start this club. Uh, So I was curious, what were some of the challenges that you faced while starting your club? So I think at the the onset, um, one of the realizations I had, even well, probably like during the the time that I was starting the club, but but also before um, I I was even diagnosed with having a disability was, you know, to be candid, I, I never actively thought about disabilities as a facet of DNI as much as I'd like to admit before the diagnosis. So um, empathizing with that, and this is coming from a former HR professional, and it's not to say that I didn't think about disabilities, but in the topic of DEI, I just it didn't really always come to mind, and so I believe the biggest challenge at the start was really to position carefully disability as a very important topic in any DEI conversation, both here at Ross as well as outside of Ross post MBA, and you know disability alongside other facets of DEI, other very important conversations around gender, sexual orientation, ethnicity, socioeconomic status, and so on. And so um, that was definitely challenge number one. 
a learning of my own as well um, in the process of creating this club. Uh, another challenge in creating the club was just the simple, I think maybe concern around the club or even that the, the viability of this space. Are there enough people in, in this MBA sphere that we find ourselves in that have a disability or are a disability adjacent in some way? And the answer is yes. Like disability, it can be visible and it can be invisible. You know, as I mentioned before, um, it's very multifaceted and it impacts more people than you know, because people often don't discuss their disability. And of course, as well, we are also Ross MBAs. And so our goal is to graduate from this program to become an inclusive leader. So, you know, are there enough people in the MBA that should know about disabilities? The answer is yes. We, we need to build this fluency. And, and it's very important that we, we do that and meet that need. I think third, uh, in creating any club, it's like running a startup. There was no structure, no precedent really akin to building a company, you know, had to define our main offering, disability knowledge and education, had to develop a club constitution and, and strategy, had to recruit talent for our board, create job descriptions, plan events, communicate with leadership you know, fundraise, which is an ongoing process, among many other to-dos while being an MBA student. So definitely there is the administrative part of of growing and starting a club as well. Yeah, I definitely can relate to that, being a president of a club. It's just the amount of work you got to win, like, you know, recruiting people for the, for the roles and trying to, you know, get morale around your club. Um, so I think one thing that I definitely agree with you is that there has to be more awareness for this club because the, the day I, I found out that you had started this club, I was like, yes, you know, I was so excited about it. And and that's me coming from a background of I worked at Wells Fargo before the MBA and one of the kind of like the work engagements I had was really helping Wells Fargo recruit more folks with autism. Um, their interviews should look a lot different because a lot of them just have different needs. And I remember just really being passionate about that, um, going to this one school and really talking to a lot of candidates, hearing a lot of the issues that they had, given that most of them are very well educated, but then it's hard to get into the workforce and like the numbers are minimal. Um, so when I saw this club, honestly, it took me back to what I was doing when I was volunteering at Wells Fargo. And I think you definitely did the right thing of starting the club because I think this is going to bring more awareness. And it's it sadly was a little bit challenging in the beginning. But honestly, Chris, I don't think you have any idea of the impact that this is going to have on the community as a whole. So I just want to thank you for that. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I'm happy that this will live beyond me and will, you know, of course, serve the broader Ross community um, and attract, you know, more people to this, you know, amazing MBA program that we have. Yeah. So my, I guess my next question for you, Chris, is what research currently exists to talk about the intersection of disability and business? And if any, like what have been the key findings and how does that inform like what this club is offering to the Ross 
community? Yes. Um, uh, I, I think that a lot of our research has come from um, multiple sources, but the one primary source we, we've been using is a report that was recently produced by Access to Success. Uh, and this is a nonprofit organization whose mission is to promote future business leaders with disabilities and do that through recruitment of people with disabilities into MBA programs as MBA programs is a channel to uh, advance leadership roles. So this particular report is called the State of Disability Inclusion and in MBA Programs. It was released just this year. It was a global survey of almost 200 prospective current and recently graduated MBA students. The students themselves identified as having a wide range of disabilities with different varying levels of um, disability severity. And some key findings from this report, it's very dense, but I, I, I think um, as we think about our club and meeting the needs of, of people with disabilities in MBA programs, this report highlighted that, number one, 51% of survey respondents were not presented any opportunity to disclose their disability during the MBA application process. So that's something that we definitely think about in terms of the advocacy side of what BLDA does. How do we make the application process into MBA programs more inclusive? In terms of the lived experience of being an MBA student uh, in a program, the survey acknowledged that over 60% of students experience difficulties with just casual social interactions and informal social gatherings. As I shared before, the fast-paced nature, the structure of the MBA program doesn't always afford these safe spaces to talk about what troubles you're facing with your disability. And so I, I can uh, empathize with, with those respondents. And, you know, really thinking about just the cost of, of making MBA programs more inclusive, the survey mentions that over 50% of accommodations don't cost anything. So, you know, in, in terms of the dollar amount that would be required to make these programs more inclusive, they're really, these, these accommodations don't cost anything. And so thinking about, again, those three buckets, like the, the application process, the lived experience and building community within the MBA, as well as the tangible accommodations themselves, these are all kind of low-hanging fruits that BLDA hopes to tackle with school leadership and also to help empower our MBAs to uh, be allies when they, when they graduate and go on to their companies after graduation. Yeah, uh, wow. It's good to know like it's not going to cost much just to make these simple changes that are going to have a big impact. So hopefully Michigan Ross is going to lead the way and the path for more people with diverse abilities to join the MBA program and actually have that opportunity to live out their dreams and shine, just like many of us do. And to kind of talk about the club a little more here, what type of events have you hosted so far? And do you have any exciting events happening in 2023? Yes. So um, since launching the club this past September, I'm, I'm really happy to share we have almost 50 members from across Ross, um, which includes MBA students, uh, faculty and staff. 
you know, it's just amazing how much we've grown um, in the short amount of time we've been around. Um, this year, we've already had a fall social to kind of launch the club uh, and really build the disability community and visibility of that community here at Ross. We also had a, what I like to call mental health is wealth webinar for our MBA. Uh, this included research from our very own Liz Crane, uh, also an MBA too here at Ross, on uh, mental health for MBAs, as well as best practices on how to manage uh, mental health during grad school from a Michigan-based psychotherapist. And most recently, within the past couple of weeks, we, we had a community conversations event hosted by the Ross Office of DEI titled Ability in Academia and the Workplace. And this is a phenomenal uh, panel of Ross faculty, staff, and students that shared very personal and impactful stories on their disability-related experiences. So really, again, creating a safe space for and, and normalizing conversations around disability. Um, upcoming in January, we are co-hosting an event with the Human Capital Club during Ross's upcoming Diversity Week. And our event is titled, What Would You Do? Inclusive Leadership Edition. This will be an interactive session where we're going to kind of role play different scenarios to help MBAs hone their inclusive leadership skills. Um, lastly, in March, we're working on launching Ross's first ever disability conference to bring thought leaders in disability advocacy here to Ross just in time for National Disability Awareness Month. So definitely stay tuned for more info. And if you haven't already, join BLDA or Business Leaders for Diverse Abilities on campus groups. That's a lot of amazing events. I'm especially so surprised since the club was just started in this September that we already have so many events in the pipeline. So thank you so much, Chris, for putting all of them together. Uh, and to end us on a high note, my last question for you, Chris, is why do you think this club is important to Ross right now? And what bigger purpose do you hope it will serve? Yeah, so... I, you know, I, I, I think that beyond my own individual experience here um, at Ross, I think about kind of looking at uh, the MBA curriculum, the MBA program from a 30,000 foot view. So I see Ross as a, we know that Ross is a top business school and really in and of itself is in the business of producing the next generation of world-class business leaders. That's a lot of business in the same sentence. So <laughs> what, you know, what we're doing here is we're producing top-notch world-class business leaders. And I think that as it relates to disability, we are not equipping our MBAs with the, the right disability fluency. If anything, doing a tremendous disservice if we don't equip them with the proper vocabulary around disability inclusion as they go out to the world and represent Ross and lead teams and lead companies. So I see for this reason, this club, BLDA, really meets a need here at Ross. Additionally, you know, separate from the business need, it's just the right thing to do. You know, as we've talked about within the fabric of DEI efforts, disability is not often woven into the conversation. 
So through the creation of this club, I'm, I'm really hoping we begin weaving together these threads and speaking about disability and making it more commonplace in everyday conversation. Well, Chris, that was excellent. I think this um, podcast episode has been great. Um, having the conversation around disability and the club BLDA, that's just been excellent. Um, I'm really excited about the, the events in 2023, the diversity conference. But again, uh, I just want to thank you for taking the time during your break, right? During your break um, to, to speak with us today. Thank you so much, everyone, for taking the time and making the space for uh, me to share my story. I, I loved your questions and I'm so excited that uh, we have the support of the, of the school, of, of our fellow students and staff and faculty to get this club up and running. And so um, really excited for 2023 and um, sharing more amazing content with, with you all. That's great. With that, uh, Business Beyond Usual is brought to you by the Ross School of Business at the University of Michigan. Today's episode was produced by Eugenia Collins, Cheryl Lee, and myself, Landry DeHio. Executive producers of BBU are Bob Needham, Thomas DeClerc, Michaela Terrell, Preston Hill, and Eugenia Collins. Special thanks to Jonah Brockman, who did our editing today. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, go blue, and this is Business Beyond Usual.